And welcome back. We have a very special edition of Ladies First this month. My name is Corey, as always, and I am joined by some special hosts from a very special project relating to a show that some of you have already guessed that I'm obsessed with. I have Lou with me. Hello. And I have Giselle with me. Hey, everyone. So why don't you two tell me a little bit about yourselves and the project you're here about today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Giselle, do you want to go first or should I jump in? <laughs> you can go first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, basically, we are from Warrior Nun Fan Promo over on Twitter. Um, and we are essentially, as it says on the tin, really, a fan run account to essentially fill the void between season one and season two and the general, shall we say, lack of content, keep the fandom alive, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, we've got some exciting things coming up that we're going to be discussing with you today. And thank you for having us. Well, thank you for joining me last moment when I just decided, hey, (laughs) I need to record an episode and you guys are talking about something I absolutely love. Maybe here's a shot in the dark and I can, and then they said yes. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously... The fundamentals and ladies first and you know myself are rather obsessed with warrior nun so we are not new to this show but if somebody has not watched warrior nun or you have not listened to our previous warrior nun podcast shame on you no i'm kidding it's okay but uh giselle would you mind giving just a quick synopsis of this show for those who might be tuning in and aren't aware Sure, no problem. So, um, created by Simon Barry, um, Warrior Nun is about a 19-year-old quadriplegic orphan named Ava Silva, who was lying dead inside the morgue at the beginning of the first episode. So, she was resurrected when a supernatural circular metallic object was shoved inside of her cadaver's back in an attempt to hide it, the, the relic from the otherworldly creatures haunting it. So it turns out that the object is the halo of an angel called Adriel, and it was an artifact protected by the Order of the Cruciform Sword. Um, The OCS is a secret sect of Catholic nuns called the Sister Warriors that hail all the way back from the time of the Crusades. Um, And she who bears the halo is the warrior nun, um, God's champion who is tasked to rid the world of the demons that hound it. So that's pretty much the plot at least for the first season. Beyond this point in the podcast, there be spoilers. So if you have not watched the show yet and (laughs) you do want to keep listening to this and don't want to be spoiled, I would suggest uh, heading over to Netflix for a binge session and then resuming the podcast after because there will be spoilers from here on out. That was a very (laughs) spoiler-free, friendly (laughs) review. Um, So yeah, the show aired last summer. I actually didn't watch it until Labor Day when I had a free period and I was bored and I decided I was going to binge watch it on a whim. And then obviously I became obsessed with it. But it initially came out last summer. There had been some fears that it wouldn't be renewed because there were a lot of other shows that were getting COVID related cancellations. Um, Teenage Mm -hmm. Bounty Hunters was Mm -hmm. a casualty of that. Stumptown was a casualty of that. But Warrior Nun actually did get Uh, renewed for a second season however there is an extended covid hiatus which is unusually Uh, long yeah definitely it's Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's an experience that's for sure yes and i mean 
it doesn't matter how engaged your fandom is, especially on like a new show for this. After a while, if you don't have really any engagement or any news coming out, I think it's just yeah. normal for people to kind of fall away or find something that's more active, which I think is why you're really trying to get this project up and running as a way of yeah. re-engaging the fandom. Definitely. So tell me about this warrior nun fanzine is it going to be like a digital that you can submit works to is it so, sort of give me the deets so to speak i'll let i'll let giselle okay so the warrior <laughs> nun fanzine was um envisioned to be a digital um compendium of fan works uh, of course um someday if if the show gets renewed for more seasons, we hope that we could get physical copies to the fans out there. But for now, um, and it will depend on the success of this particular volume, um, the fanzine would be free to download once it is um, available and once it's launched. So this is going to be a coherent compilation of the works. Um, we're not just going to be compiling and putting on two pages the submissions. We're actually going to curate them. Um, and then lay them out in a, a coherent manner. So it could happen that a submission, a fan fiction submission could be paired with a, an artwork, uh, those kinds of things. And um, we also planned for some feature articles to be included in the zine. So um, we would have a feature article on a character study of Lilith and all the other um, things that um, we think were part of our first year as a fandom. So we actually tapped some people to write um, a particular article that might be specific to that person by experience. But of course, we also encourage them to submit feature articles if they could think of a topic that would be interesting. So yeah, that's it. Um, we plan to launch the zine on the actual anniversary of the show, which would be a different event altogether um, mm -hmm. it would be a fan event like all the other things we do in this fandom we do um, <laughs> it's a running joke in this fandom that we are a self-sustaining fandom and if we want we anything <laughs> yes if we want anything at all to happen then we would have to do things ourselves and this is mm -hmm. the zine. yeah <laughs> the zine and the anniversary um event um, it's not yet completely planned but the anniversary mm -hmm. event are just examples of how the fans do things themselves so yeah yeah and it's what not is love if not persevering during a content <laughs> drought <laughs> and it's not yeah. just feature articles correct you can do um, yeah. like fan art memes yeah. videos that sort of thing mm -hmm. absolutely we are accepting everything um yeah we've had some really great submissions so far we've got fix we've got videos we've got fan art so i'm really really excited it's not to do our own home but it's going to be great <laughs> i mean i, I do feel you on a very cellular i i maybe molecular <laughs> level of that self-sustaining if you if we don't do the content ourselves we're not going to get it i mean i like i said i binged this around labor day and one of our other writers alejandra She'd seen it and none of the other writers on the site had watched it yet. And she'd just been itching to talk to somebody about it. And then I saw yeah. it and I became obsessed with it. So then we started um, 
on our fundamentals discord we started a season watch where we just rewatched all the episodes and then we dragged two other writers into it diana and Bo, and then we dragged taylor into it who has been writing that wonderful series on our site of um, yes warrior nun and ava silva and the trauma narrative in there and we, we've mm. already done like we created four new character archetypes that we talk about character tropes that we analyze on our site because our site does a lot of um analysis in general that's kind of where our yeah. bread and butter was but yeah the disaster chosen one uh the king the buttercup and then it's ramadan so i can't actually curse and i didn't think this through but the glorious um da you can mm -hmm. probably figure out what that is mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they actually all kind of got inspired by <laughs> characters from warrior nun uh -huh. so i mean there's Such a well <laughs> yeah the only one that had already really been existing was um the dutiful princess which i still say beatrice is a wonderful mm -hmm. fit for but Ooh, yeah you know, it, the show really does inspire a lot of thinking and a lot of creativity, I believe. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. Um, it's a good thing that you mentioned the tropes because um, one of the facts that I appreciate mo most about the show is how character driven it was. And I guess it really showed that there were different, uh, that you um, discovered different tropes through the show because mm -hmm. there were 10 whole episodes but we managed to get to the cliffhanger ending without actually knowing anything about the mythology of the show. Because um, if you would remember, um, everything we thought we knew about it proved to be a hoax in the end. So yeah. um, the writers yeah. really took their time to develop their characters. Well, they took the time to develop the characters as just very fleshed out individuals. I mean, yes, each each of the five, I personally think, falls into one of the five archetypes we have now on our site. But they, they are very wonderfully complex in and of themselves, even if they don't have as much screen time. Like, I, I would I think it's fair to say Camilla maybe has the least amount of screen time out of the five yeah. sisters. Yeah. But she's still a very wonderfully complex character in and of her own right. Absolutely. Yeah. And also... I think one of the more enduring aspects is the diversity of the cast. Yeah, definitely. You know, there, there are, how do I say this? I mean, I'm not really going to be able to say this without ruffling some feathers. So, I mean, if you're white, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very diverse cast and you don't see that as much with maybe some other very popular WLW shows. My head is starting to tilt. My yes. voice is going up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. there are You're some other wrong. fandoms that are Lily White and the characters are Lily White mm -hmm. and it's always two white women. And I think it's really refreshing. Exactly. Enough. Yeah. For warrior women, like the, the cast is just so wonderfully diverse. And I've said this, we've said this on the site, the fact that they cast a dark skinned black woman for shotgun yeah. mary um you know like colorism is a thing it, it just mm -hmm. it is i don't know if in your countries you have that whole uh paper bag test are you familiar with that no i'm not okay so in the u.s um there is an issue with colorism and casting if you are going to cast a black person they often cast the absolute lightest black person they can yeah. so you hold mm -hmm. up like are is there 
skin darker than a paper bag. So, wow. Yeah. So it's actually in the U.S. It's actually still a pretty big deal that Toya Turner was cast because she's obviously a darker skinned black woman. And that's still a rarity here. You know, unfortunately, also in the U.S., um, anti-Asian violence is on the rise. Anti-Asian racism is on the rise. And you have a character in, you know, Christina Tonsbury Young, who is Asian. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, you know, in the show, it doesn't specify which, but you, you know, she is of Asian descent. And it's another way to have visibility. And then you obviously have a brown woman with Sister Lilith. So you have women, and these were very unknown actresses who, you know, the show took a chance on them and they're getting a chance to play these very wonderfully complex characters that are normally only reserved for white women. As they deserve. More of that, please. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something we've discussed a lot on our site of, you know, it's like, can we please get away from all white casting on things? So I think this was something that really stood out to us as they're not stock characters. They're not, you know, the um, token characters. They're just yeah. and complex and flawed and funny and sometimes you want to throttle them and sometimes you want to hug them and they're just sometimes real people at the same yes. time <laughs> sister Lilith <laughs> yes and oh they're goodness. on the fo- forefront of the story and they're they don't just serve to prop up the white characters exactly yeah, exactly um you know they each have their own journeys they're going through I I've written about Shotgun Mary before, but I think she might be the most well-written character of the show. And I think if you were going to do a spinoff, she would be the prime, prime character to do a spinoff and focus that on. I I, I love yeah. Shotgun Mary. Yeah. I, I love that she's in charge. She's very emotionally mature, maybe compared to the other sisters. And I yeah. love that she refers to herself as a GD. Again, I can't curse because Ramadan, but she's a GD gift. Absolutely. She is. Like, it's just, it's fact. I mean, there's a reason we listed her as an example for the King character trope. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because if you take Shotgun Mary out, I love those four idiots. I love them. <laughs> but if you lose Shotgun Mary, those four idiots are going to fall apart. Absolutely. Yeah, I think actually for me, when I even when I first started watching the show, I was like you, I watched it a little bit later. But it was actually Mary and her character that really sucked me in. She was the first one that I loved. Like, I love all of them, but Shotgun Mary, just... she She's just like a chef's kiss type of character. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. I really, I stand by, like, I love my other four idiots, but... They they don't function well without her there. <laughs> it's so true. It's not a coincidence that everything went down with Ava's introduction to the OCS and Lilith and all of that without Shotgun Mary being there. I, I hold that that is not a coincidence. You make such a good point, you know. The moment yeah. Shotgun Mary actually gets to talk to her and, you know, barring the punting off the cliff thing. She gets to talk to her one-on-one, actually levels with her like a real human being and doesn't give her all mm. of this other religious BS duty garbage. Yeah, I'm really yeah. trying not to swear. Uh, this is hard. Anyways. <clears throat> You're doing um, great. Yeah, the moment she gives her 
like she's really the one that reaches Ava and convinces her to stay. Mm. Yeah, Mary definitely sees Ava as a person beyond being, you know, uh, a non-believer who has just randomly got the halo by chance. Um, unlike unlike the others. Well, and I think part of it was, and I, Toya Turner said recently over Clexicon, um, she thought when she read it that Mary and Shannon were canonically romantic i personally think there's Mm -hmm. a big sapphic hole large enough to drive two mac trucks through that says relationship (laughs) and neon lights and i think it makes absolutely i think it makes sense because she was somebody to see the halo bearer beyond just i'm the halo bearer and this is my duty like she saw shannon as a person exactly Mm -hmm. exactly oh i almost cried when toya said that i was like yes this acknowledgement so, I mean, it stands to reason, though, that she sees Ava as more than just the halo bearer with a design with, you know, this predetermined duty. She's not mm. part of the OCS. She works with them, but she's not quite as um, indoctrinated. Yeah. This has yeah. turned into the shotgun Mary waxing poetic hour. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. She's amazing. I wholeheartedly but, support this. It's all good. <laughs> so what do you think? You know, I've been talking for a little bit now, and I want to give you two a chance to talk about the characters and why they resonate with you outside of Shotgun Mary. I think we've established her. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> I just love all of them. God. I just want to give them well, all a hug. Let's break it down. Um, Lou, why don't you start with Lilith? Mm. Ooh, Lilith. Ooh, She's a complicated some, one. There are some layers to that girl she is an onion my goodness yeah i mean there's a reason we dubbed her the disaster chosen one oh yeah absolutely i don't even know where to start i think her her... yeah sure go for it whilst i sort of put together my thoughts (laughs) right right so um i think the the character development of lilith was particularly superb because she was originally set up or at least we were made to believe that she would be a villainous figure in the story. Um, And maybe for a while she was because of her initial ambition and what the Cardinal has put inside her head. Um, But her character developed towards a direction that met Eva's own character development. And they actually met in the middle, right at the point in the last episode when they would need each other the most. And... Um, that that was when I realized uh, how character driven the first season was, and it was so mm. good. And in the beginning, I was afraid yeah, they, they were going to pit um, Eva against Lilith, um, but that was just actually the male figures in the story pitting the women against <laughs> each other. And they managed to get past yeah. that, and to realize that they needed each other and to work together in the end. Mm. And Lilith is the only one of all of the sisters that actually apologizes to Ava for like how she treated her in the beginning and you know sort Mm -hmm. of stabbing her and stuff but yeah just that whole yeah it's it's beautiful (laughs) that was something we noted too of lilith after she got shish kebab by carl we refer to the (laughs) terrace that stabbed her as carl it's just a running joke and we have our own little head cannons about carl trying to like lilith's just this angry little dog over on terrace world that carl's trying to train (laughs) Like, no, you can't bite people. Um, so after she gets shish kebab by Carl, the, the way it happens is I've referred to when I wrote about that character piece 
for Lilith as a disaster chosen one, that's her crucible. That's mm-hmm. when she has to make a choice between I either do the right thing or I let this person who I, I literally just tried to kill die. Yeah. And I think that's when we really see the depth that Lilith has of mm-hmm. I'm going to give my life to save this person that I was just literally ready to carve the life out of her. Yeah. But it's almost like a that I'm the only one of us here that's allowed to like, you know, go for this girl. Excuse me, this is not mm-hmm. this is not your territory, like back off. <laughs> but she also just makes that split second decision to save her mm-hmm. and then even she even as she's being hoisted up in the air, shish kebobbed on Carl's hand of get the sword. Yeah, absolutely. That it's moment a- right there for me is get the sword. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's the classic to quote Beatrice, it's Lilith's realization that it's not all about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, speaking of Sister Beatrice, mm. why don't we move on to her? That's a nice segue you just mm-hmm. gave me. <laughs> right, welcome. Oh, Sister Beatrice, you need a hug and you need some therapy. <laughs> a hug and some therapy, and maybe mm. a little bit of um, an emotional laxative because I refer to her all the time as emotionally <laughs> constipated. I mean, you're not wrong. Oh, I'm not wrong. I I will go down swinging. Sister Beatrice, like, she's warm. I I love, and this is Mm. something that Tantra Young was saying when she was initially talking about the character. She didn't want her to be an ice queen. She wanted her to have some warmth to her. Yeah. So she's a warm character, but she's emotionally constipated. Mm. She's very much a directing love outwards rather than inwards, for sure. Like she loved, you know, she loves all of her sisters very deeply. And that's very, very clear in the way that she's written the way Christina plays her and just the physicality of Beatrice's character as well. But yeah, she, yeah, she's got some, she doesn't like herself very much, does she? Um, To add to that, I think uh, she just finds it really difficult to receive love. That's why everything yeah. is outward. Oh. With the way um, she was really touchy with everyone, not just Ava, but like she <laughs> likes touching people's faces to comfort them. And um, yeah. I think those are things or gestures that she herself would find hard to receive from other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see that next season with yeah somebody somebody comforting Beatrice rather than Beatrice doing the comforting. Beatrice needs all the hugs, but there is one uh, rainbow sunshine role character that I absolutely love, Sister Camilla, that um, if she's not going to get it from Ava, she can probably get it from Sister Camilla. Yes. Oh my god, I love Camilla so much. She's such a precious cinnamon roll, and yet she shoots Adrian in the head and spits on him. (laughs) Yeah, she's that that meme of looks like a cinnamon roll would kill you. 100%. Yeah. Um, and I, I like her own little character journey because she's new. Bless her. She's had a bit of a rough start. Yeah. And then she just decides, I'm going to go join these other sisters that I'm closer to rather than Sister McMurderbot. And, <laughs> you know, she really puts herself at risk and it's kind of a, like, she yeah. does that all on her own. Yeah. She's so sure of herself in that way, actually. Um, And like many of the other sisters in the show, she was also presented with a choice between what she was always thought was Mm -hmm. the right thing and what she actually thought was the right thing. So um, many of them were presented with that choice and that was the choice that 
our cinnamon roll decided to go with. Mm. Yeah, she was definitely a lot less conflicted about that choice, I think, Mm -hmm. than say Mm -hmm. we know Beatrice was, who very nearly just turned her back. But did, of course. Well, and I like, we didn't necessarily see as much of Camilla solo, but we know she obviously Mm -hmm. came to that on her own. She didn't need any external prodding. Yeah. So to speak. Like, that was just entirely from her. And much yeah. like Mary, I think she wasn't that in, as indoctrinated as well. Because if you would recall, uh, during that scene wherein Beatrice was surrendering her weapons, she told her she was also thinking of leaving the OCS altogether. So I think she was still in sort of a limbo with her beliefs and with what she wanted to do. And she was just happy to get along with um, what the sisters were doing because um, she has grown close to those sisters as well and mm. isn't she also when they're raiding the science lab the arc labs isn't she one of the one isn't she one of the ones that's like why are we stealing this seems like an odd yeah. mission yeah yeah definitely she's a lot more um questioning of things mm-hmm. if you know what i mean like she's much more likely to actually think hang on this seems a bit sus um yeah compared with the others unlike say Lilith who's very much you know I will follow the orders I'm given and Beatrice as well in that sense yeah Camilla and Mary definitely more similar you make a good point Giselle yeah and I think um she provides the perfect balance between the others like Lilith and Beatrice and Ava who was not really into it in the beginning Mm. so she was in the middle kind of in the middle yeah. And I, I've noticed um, fandom, or I should say the fanon interpretation of the character. I don't know if this will bear out as we get more episodes of the series is mm-hmm. um, Camilla and Ava left to their own devices would likely be causing mayhem. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I want, I want to see it. I hope I we get that just because I love it. And I think it's adorable. But chaotic. The, yeah. yeah. Very chaotic. And the two tiniest members. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that can cause the most trouble. Absolutely. Because Camilla always seems to be entertained by anything Eva does. So you, mm-hmm. even though I think she has a pretty rational head on her shoulders, but she is entertained by Eva and she would let Eva do whatever she wanted to do. I think that's my head canon. And she's also yeah, just absolutely. very perceptive. Um which kind of leads us into our next topic. But uh, when we have that whole Sister Melanie discussion, which I know is oh, the God. scene that launched a thousand ships, um, <laughs> Camilla is the one who read that passage and found that passage and went right up yeah. to Beatrice. Is like, here, you should read this out loud to Ava. And she is the captain of this ship. Uh, she's she definitely read this story about the lesbian nun. <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely got some insight and she's definitely mm. an instigator. And again, in that scene when <clears throat> Ava is walking outside of the Arc Labs and she's like, where are you going? I'm running away from Beatrice. And then she just sips her tea. Is like, good luck. <laughs> I love her for that, honestly. Truly, I do. But speaking of ships, so obviously we mm. mentioned Shannon and Mary, um, which mm. unfortunately can't be quite as present because Shannon yeah. has shed her mortal coil. But... <laughs> One of the driving ships, I think, of this fandom is Beatrice and Ava. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's remarkable because we still have, it's not two white women. Yeah. Yes. 
And they're their own fully functional characters that I think they both do fit into a fandom trope, but they don't. Mm. I think you've got, you know, like brunette blonde-ish that's been around mm. since the times of Xena Warrior Princess that I don't know why that trope is still here, but I mean, I, okay. And they also have, you know, one who's more reserved, one who is more bubbly. But I think once you start to break them down, there are a lot more than that. Yeah, definitely. They're a lot more. They're a lot more nuanced, and I think I think they also complement each other really well. Um, they both possess things that the other one doesn't. Um, Christina spoke about this on the panel at Clexicon. But yeah, it's it's just hard to believe. I think with the amount of content that the fandom has put out, that mm-hmm. season two is going to happen, and they're not actually a thing. <laughs> like, right. yeah, it's it's going to be wild, but. Well, and burn, I bet. the writers know what they did. Like they've said mm. as much. Like we recognize they we had something here. That seed. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. somebody pointed out, like, so Beatrice took her sister name after Saint Beatrice of Silva. Was that a yeah. thing? Oh, and they're like, goodness. Oh no, we did that on purpose. So I'm like, they know. They know. <laughs> ah my god. But as soon as I found that out, I was just like, Oh my god. <laughs> You, you talk about like they complement each other in the sense of mm. Ava is very much new and kind of a free spirit of I want to experience all the things mm. in a way that I think is good for Beatrice. But Beatrice has this kind of quiet steadiness to her and she's very solid. Yeah. Which Definitely. Ava has not had a lot of people like, OK, Ava's backstory is dark. We've established this yeah. on that series and. Oh. In- our our site and I think a lot of people it's hard to understand like hard to wrap your head around like when you sit and think about it like her backstory is dark Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I want to see more of that explored as well actually that's like a whole other thing (laughs) yeah but I mean you have these two characters who are very much kind of searching for a safe space or a safe person yeah just unequivocally accepts them Mm -hmm. they are each other's people And then we also have, um, you know, Shannon and Mary, which is, you know, the Romeo and Juliet sort of, I'm not going to say it's Romeo and Juliet because Shannon and Mary aren't foolish, Um, but it is that kind of star-crossed lovers, tragic ship. We also have, and this is interesting because I see you either have Shannon and Lilith or Lilith and Camilla. And it seems, sorry, Mary and Lilith. I meant to say Mary and Lilith. Little shot guy. Um, (laughs) So you either have Mary and Lilith or Lilith and Camilla, and fandom seems fairly divided on which one they either fall on, but there's no arguing about that, and I love it. Yeah. There's no ship wars. It's just like, okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'll probably read it too because I'm hungry for content. <laughs> yeah, we're very, I think we're very open in that we, we have no problem shipping Avatris with other people, except maybe mm. JC, but um, <laughs> I ship. I ship Lilith and Ava. Uh, I think um, I like that dynamic a lot. You know, um, enemies to lovers dynamic. And the people in our fandom don't seem to have any issue shipping um, the nuns with the other nuns. Because there's Mm -hmm. just... uh, The thing was, uh, it's such a uh, female-centric show. Um, When I first watched it, I was uh, looking for which characters to ship with which characters. And like... (laughs) I'm running out of permutations because there were just so many women, complex characters that 
I can ship with other complex women as well. Like the, so only, the only one I haven't seen, and I think this is a fandom consensus, is Mary and Ava, just because they have that older sister, yeah. little sister dynamic. Uh-huh. 100%. So firmly set in canon. But I mean, like, I, I will even go for Camilla and Ava with, you know, the Mayhem twins. I will go for that. I think they'd be cute AF. And That's I just, point. I love that there's no ship wars. It's it's very refreshing, for sure. One of the reasons why we are a god-tier fandom, if you will. Mm-hmm. Pun half intended. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, ship wars will kill a fandom. They will absolutely yeah. kill a fandom. They can yeah. become very incredibly toxic. And I'm sure, as I'm saying this, all of you are like, you can immediately picture an incident um from a previous fandom (laughs) but it's just very much even if you do ship ava and jc it's just like well okay i don't particularly do that but you do you jc is jc's a himbo he's Mm -hmm. harmless if if you were going to have a good representation of a person of of a guy for ava to date it's probably him Mm -hmm. and it's just ship and let ship (laughs) and that's so rare it is it is yeah it's definitely yeah i love i love the no ship horsing and i think that's one of the reasons why you know any anyone new who comes into the fandom is always like oh my goodness like this fandom's just so nice it's like yeah we are you know well one of the things i've noticed is like the fandom isn't just entirely made of young people and i'm not knocking fandoms that are entirely (laughs) made of young people but no these characters are all adults Mm mm-hmm you know, various yeah, stages of exactly. adulthood, but they're all adults. So we're seeing, yeah. you know, grown women have these adventures. So you're seeing like there's a fandom space for people who are in their late 20s to 30s to even 40s, you know, um, Mother Superior and whose name I just blanked, J- Jillian. Jillian. Yeah, like they're even a ship. And they're Superior. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it's it's a welcoming kind of an all ages fandom so you have people who are older like us who are maybe in their late 20s or we're in our 30s mm-hmm. who are just like i don't feel skeevy for joining a fandom about teenagers yeah exactly like we've had we've had enough of the storylines about you know american teenagers in high school like we, we, we're mm-hmm. done with that let's move on yeah, so that's and another not, reason why I think. I'm not knocking that those shows exist, but there needs oh, to no, be more not. than just that. And I think that's what, another great thing about Warrior Nun is it gives you a show about women, about adult women, and, you know, all of the thing, shenanigans that they're getting into. But you also, it means it's, <laughs> it, it feels more welcoming for older fandom people to come in and participate and i've noticed that because you have older people i think there's also this kind of calming energy that kind of complements the more chaotic energy that you can find with younger fandom members yeah there's definitely a sort of um ava and mary dynamic throughout Mm -hmm. the fandom i think um but yeah it's and, and it's not it's really nice to have that range of ages as well because you know you get opinions from all different people who've experienced all different things and yeah it's really great to have those insights and the other thing i really appreciate is like the way that this fandom has set down boundaries Mm. of you know how you relate to the cast what you're sharing of the cast i know there there was one of the actresses had photos from when she was 
under 18 that, you know, people mm-hmm. were just like, you know, we feel maybe this isn't really appropriate to share. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, just sure. the ability to say, hey, we need to have some boundaries about how we relate to the cast, how we speak to the cast, how we share things about the cast, I think was incredibly mm-hmm. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm one of the, I'm on the older side of the fandom. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's really interesting just seeing things from my perspective, uh, what I would have done differently if I was younger. Um, and um, maybe um, just take that uh, role of being the person to guide the younger ones in the fandom. Really yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, there's that kind of safety buffer of, you know, if there are some boundaries maybe being broached, you have that older element of the fandom. It's kind of like, guys, you know, let's let's bring this back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got always got people willing to give words of wisdom and all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why the warrior on fandom is just so unproblematic in general um, because of that. Well, and it's also, it's a very international fandom. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we're talking this morning from three different, very different time zones. You know, I'm in Los Angeles (laughs) and nobody else participating in this current discussion is in Los Angeles. No, exactly. Um, So I I think that is fantastic because, you know, it's not a U.S. centric show. Yeah, it's not, yeah. So I think it's also, it's very, very friendly for if you're not from the U.S., it's a lot uh, more open to maybe dive into because it's not just like, oh, here's all these U.S. colloquialisms and teenagerisms and isms, isms, isms. All all of the isms. Yeah, I think it's something that's definitely contributed to the success of the show in terms of its global audience that Mm -hmm. we've got. when it debuted on Netflix, didn't it rank number three globally of their entire catalog? Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right to me. Um, from my research, uh, it was the number one TV show in July worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, it's got a global audience. I'm, and I'm, I'm not surprised they got renewed because they're pro- Simon. I'm wanting to say Fuller. I know it's not Fuller. Simon Barry. You know, he came up through. He's done sci-fi shows. He knows how to do shows on a budget. Yeah, I know the cast that said like you would not believe the budget we had, considering it looks this good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I so I would, you know, it's a no-brainer if I'm Netflix of the show I can make pretty pretty cheap, and it's this popular. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you would never know the size of the budget they had unless you look at Lilith's wig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the crunchy wigs in the last episode. It's like right you can tell. <laughs> oh, we ran out of our budget. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one tell when the little wig came out it's like oh they ran out of their budget yeah. oh, there it is <laughs> oh, so just laughing we can crowdfund a little extra money for Lilith's wig in season two. <laughs> <laughs> oh well maybe that can be a um possible charity donation if we do the zine again and it's popular this year we were thinking of, for the um, wig <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> give Lilith a better wig. <laughs> so let's, um, you know, now that we've kind of discussed the show, we actually didn't go near as into spoilers as I thought we were going to. But yeah. now that we kind of have discussed the show and reasons why the fandom 
is so engaged with the characters and the shipping and um, all of that good stuff. I do want to kind of loop back to your project. So if somebody is going to go binge who hasn't watched before, we absolutely recommend that you do this. And then you need to look up Warrior Nun fan promo. Now, where can they find you? We are on Twitter at Warrior Nun promo. Um, And yeah, you can find everything there. So if they do want to... I should say, uh, send in a submission. Do they PM you? Is there an email? How would that go? Yeah, so it's all in our pinned tweet. Um, we have an uh, email address. I believe it's warriornunpromo at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we're taking any submissions. When is the deadline again, Giselle? Remind me. Uh, May, May, 20, <laughs> May 21st, anywhere in the world. As long as it's yes, May 21st, anywhere in the world. So as long as it's May 21st, submission. like 11.59 p.m., wherever you are in the world, they'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, just pop yeah, just pop us an email. And if you have any questions, you're welcome to DM us, email us. Or if you find any of the admins sort of floating around, you know, just pop us a question. It's absolutely fine. Mm. Well, speaking yeah. of the admins, um, I noticed it's not necessarily on your Twitter. So who would they want to contact if they have additional questions? Uh, well, you can definitely reach out to me. I'm at AvatrisFeels on Twitter. Um, yeah, happy to take any questions. And speaking of, uh, we do have, you have an entire committee for this, correct? It's not just the two of you. Yes, we have yes. Quite, quite a lot. We have a large group of people from all over. Six time zones. Wow. Yeah. Coordinating well, ha- that meeting. Yeah, good luck. Was. <laughs> I was going to say, good luck finding a good time for that. But I mean, that shows your dedication to trying to get the fandom to re-engage. I mean, I'll go and read fanfic. I think Gleecast OST is kind of single-handedly yes. for a while, just keeping daily up, <laughs> daily fic happening. Um, definitely props to Gleecast OST because there will be days like that's the only person I see posting fic updates. But I think, again, it just goes back to we have an extended hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. And part of, you know, this Warrior Nun project, this zine project is that's all kind of I know it's natural to kind of fall away when you have such an extended hiatus. But it's all kind of reignite what got us excited about this in the first place. And I think we kind of saw a little bit of a reignition over the Clexicon weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely came back out of the woodwork, so to speak. So I think like your timing with this is perfect because some yeah. some people came back out of the woodwork a little bit just to hear that. Now, you know, they can contact the Warrior Nun one year anniversary fanzine. Again, it's at Warrior Nun promo on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And by May 21st, you, you still have several weeks to sign up, submit. And it, it's, see, it's written work artwork they can even do fan videos is that correct yeah yeah. okay found a way so yeah there's a lot there's an entire list and you guys have a tweet i believe pinned at the top of your twitter profile yes we've got all of the rules faqs how to submit it's all up there all that's up there they have categories of all the different content you can mm-hmm. tweet out now when you do have this ready how could somebody download this um have we got that 
No, okay. not yet. Stay tuned. You will be more yes. updates for how to download this once they have it ready. But they do aim to have this ready for everybody else to consume by the show's uh, one-year anniversary. Absolutely. Yes, um, we will launch it. We will launch it on an event during yes. the anniversary. Perfect. Then it would be. Uh, we would announce that it would be free to download by that time. Perfect. Yeah. So we will be working flat out to deliver that content that we all deserve. Yeah. Busy times. And hopefully, you know, this brings out a little bit of a renaissance and everybody can kind of come out of the woodwork again. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. it's like we, we can all acknowledge like fandom hiatuses are a downtime. That's just it's part yeah. of life. And unfortunately, and Warrior Nun is not the only show that's been hit by an extended hiatus. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, just fandoms coming together during this time and being, you know, let's give each other something to be excited about. Let's kind of give each other something to look forward to, something to build that community back up, I think is a great thing. Also, I mean, I think Warrior Nun is a great show and I might be biased as to this project and why it needs to happen because I want to see more fandom interaction. (laughs) But, you know, I just think, especially because we've been so isolated the last year and a half going on now uh it's a great way and especially again this is an international community it's an international (laughs) fandom so it's i it's to me it's just a great way to reconnect yeah absolutely it's Mm -hmm. a pretty good summary of what we're trying to do i think so is there anything else the two of you that we maybe didn't cover that you would like them to know i think the only thing that I can think of is with the fanzine for art in particular, we're not just accepting new works. We will accept yeah. anything that you've you know, posted on Twitter or Tumblr over the past year. Um, but mm-hmm. for written works, because obviously we've got <clears throat> archive of our own, um, we want them to be new. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the only distinction I think is important to make. But yeah, super excited to see what everyone comes up with. And the submissions so far are excellent. So... Um, they could submit up to how many works they want to submit. So we've had that question. People so are there's really no excited. Cap. Yeah, yeah, no cap. No cap. Perfect. Well, thank you too for coming on um, wherever it is in the world that you're talking to me. I know it's <laughs> Saturday morning for me, so I know it's probably somewhat inconvenient for you. But again, you find the time. You find the time if it's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we will go ahead and we'll have a link to the Twitter when we post this as an article on our site as well. So if you uh, do want to check our site out, we have links for their content as well. If you want to get a hold of the people running this and have questions or if you want to submit, it'll be there as well. Don't forget, we also have other podcasts on the Fundamentals Network. Obviously, we have Ladies First. But we also have Sartorial Splendor, That's Rom, All Bark, No Dice. We have our weekly TTRPG, um, Live Play, Faith Forge Academy, Cannon Fodder. I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. There we go. So we have a lot. Just listen, pick and choose whatever you want. Lou, Giselle, thank you so much for coming on with me. Thank you. Thank you. And for everybody else listening, please stay safe. Sanitize your hands. Wear a mask. All that good stuff. We'll talk to you later.